0: We all made it uh, to, through another year that God has given us. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. <clears throat> Ephesians 5. While you're finding that, I'd love to be the first this morning to wish you a happy new year. And uh, I'm sure many of you will... Be up late tonight, welcoming in the new year, 2018. Christmas celebrations are over, although I did hear of someone yesterday that was still uh, that was going to a Christmas with family yesterday, but for the most part, Christmas is over, celebration is over. Our Christmas decorations, some of you will be glad to know, have been taken down and stored away uh, until next Halloween, then they'll come back out. Now comes that time of year where we kind of reevaluate where we're at. We look at some things perhaps in our lives that maybe we'd like to do differently or see changed. Uh, some of you perhaps have been thinking about some new year's resolutions uh, that you might want to make, and so that's kind of you know uh, the the train of thought this time of year as we go into a new year about. Uh, making resolutions. I actually read this week in, in talking about New Year's resolutions that, that uh, there was a survey that was done, and actually, only about 50% of people that were surveyed said they actually do make New Year's resolutions. A- and of that uh, 50% that made them, uh, it said that only about 40 something percent actually kept them. And so, but I would encourage you, it's always a good time, a new year, to kind of rethink where you're at and what you're doing. And I I don't think there's anything wrong at all with making some resolutions to better your life, to better your growth spiritually, emotionally, physically, and all those areas. Uh, But as we approach a new year today, honestly, uh, as we begin 2018, we really don't know what it's going to hold, do we? We don't know what's in store for us. Uh, when we enter a new year, we've got more questions uh, than we have answers. Uh, you know, questions as of, you know, I wonder, wonder what the year will hold. You know, will it be a good year? Uh, will it be, a, you know, at the end of the 2018, will we look back and be disappointed in how life treated us or the, the hand that we were dealt for the year? I often wonder if it's going to be a busier year than what we've had in the past. Will there be more work to do? Will there be a busier schedule? Will, you know, will, will I be able to, to fish more, more than I did in 2017? Because that's my New Year's resolution, just so you know. Will we make better use of our time in 2018 than we did in 2017? Will we all be here at the end of 2018 because, you know, we never really know what funerals we're going to attend throughout a year. There are often some that catch us off guard and, and uh, by surprise. But most importantly, I think we should be thinking of spiritual things and asking ourselves some spiritual questions. In 2018, will we see any of our family members that don't know Christ come to know Christ? Will we see Some more of those names that are in that prayer chest come to know Jesus and surrender their life to Him as their Lord and Savior? Will we see some of our friends that we've been praying for and worried about come to know Christ and accept Him? And at the end of the year, in 365, uh, when these 365 days are over, will we look back at 2018 with joy or with regret? Over the things that have happened and and taken place. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves as we approach anything new is will we enter into this with Jesus? Will we journey with Jesus for the next 365 days? Will, Will we live this year for Christ and His purpose? Or will we live 2018 for ourselves? and for our purpose. What does 2018 hold for us? What does it have in store for us? When I was a youth pastor I would often think that there would be another group of kids that I would see graduate from high school. Maybe there are some of you here today and uh, this 2018 will be your graduation date or at least that's your plan for now. That's yet to be determined but uh, maybe for some of you it's graduation from high school or college some of you are expecting children in 2018. Some of you are not expecting children, and you may get children anyway. <laughs> Got a couple here this morning that we've been journeying with, and they're going to have twins this year, and I know they're excited about that, and they'll be excited about that. And then that'll wear off, I <laughs> not it? But we look forward to spoiling those little girls along with many other new babies that will be joining our family this year. Some of you are going to get grandkids. Some of you may get a new job. There may be a new job in, there, in your future. Maybe there's a pay raise in your future that will relieve you of some of the financial stress that you've been going through in 2017. For some of you, 2018 could hold some new things, some exciting things. For some of us, it could be a year of unexpected sadness, disappointment, discouragement. But here's the deal. We don't know. We do not know what 2018 holds. We don't know what the future holds, but as followers uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, we can have an optimistic hope for 2018 because we know who holds it, right? We know who is in charge. We know who is all-powerful. And we know that he holds the future. As Christians, we sing a song a lot that he holds tomorrow. And so we have hope in that. We have faith in that. And as long as we journey through, we've talked about journeys over the last several weeks, talking about the journey of Christmas. Well, we're, we're on a journey through a new year that's about to begin. And as long as we journey through the year with Jesus Christ, then I promise you 2018 will be okay. <laughs> It'll be a beautiful journey. As we walk with Him and journey with Him. And as I was preparing for today's uh, service Um, I was drawn to this passage of Scripture that I believe is absolutely perfect for us to look at as we approach uh, a new year. The Apostle Paul wrote it. He was writing a letter to the church in, in Ephesus. We see it recorded here in Ephesians. And here in chapter 5, I think it's a really great passage of Scripture for us to uh, begin a new year with. And maybe you might want to take it and just make it your theme uh, for the entire year. Uh, and I want to pick it up this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse number 15, and see what Paul has to say to us and what we might can take away uh, from what he wrote to the church there in verse 15. He starts out by saying this. So be careful how you live. He says, Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. So, what is it that that this first advice that Paul gives us here in this passage, in this letter uh, that we're looking at here? What's the first advice that he gives us? He says, Be careful how you live. All right? Y'all say that with me this morning. Be careful how you live. How you live, and, and so you know, as I was thinking about this, I, I began to think about how many of you are familiar with these websites and and apps that are out there and available for you now where you can find out it, it will estimate and calculate what day you're going to die. Any of you familiar with those? Any of you ever played with those? I'm the only morbid person in the room today, your pastor. okay well anyway uh, I, I kind of it's kind of a weird. Thing I like to do. I just like to go see if my date has ever changed and kind of keep up with that. Uh, but one of the more popular ones that's out there uh, on the, the internet is called the death clock. And uh, some of you may have, have seen it before. Right now, our Internet's probably about to crash because you're all going to deathclock.com. But uh, anyway, I, I find it interesting because what you do is you go in and you enter all this different... You answer all these questions, enter this data into it, and it will actually give you the, the date that it's estimated that you will die on. And so the first thing that you do when you go this date is it, or go to this website is you enter the date and the year that you were born. And then you select whether you're male or whether you're female. You tell it whether you smoke or not. Uh, There's a BMI calculator out there that takes your height and your weight. It it, uh, figures your BMI for you. That factors into it. Then there's another question that I think is interesting here, and some of you might need to pay attention to it. Uh, because this, uh, the answer to this one also affects uh, how long you live. Again, I go out there and I, I play with these. I change the answers to see how I can get the most out of my time, right? And so, but one, one of them, one of the questions is this. It wants to know what basically your outlook on life is. It wants to know if you're an optimist or if you're a pessimist or if you're kind of a, a neutral person uh, in general. And so you need to understand, some of you need to understand if you're grumpy... Or if you're happy, it determines how much longer you're going to live. It factors into it. It's one of the things that factors into how long you're going to live. Then it asks you about alcohol consumption. Uh, and then finally, it wants to know, and I find this interesting too, it wants to know what country you live in, because based on where you live, it also factors in to how long you're going to live. And so uh, I played around with this a little bit uh, this past week while sitting in the hospital with my dad, because uh, there's not really a lot uh, else to do. And, and so here's, here's what I learned, though. I found out that I'm, and some of you want to write this down so you can be prepared for this, I'm going to die on August the 14th in 2047. So you you put me on your calendar, uh, and, and we'll, you'll all uh, be grieving greatly. I know when that happens. I, I'm going to die at the young age of 80, uh, which is okay with me. And just for grins and giggles, like I said, I changed some things around. I, 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 I changed my sex to female. And, and apparently, <laughs> if I have a sex change, I can live five more years. <laughs> But I think I'll stick with what I got. And uh, there is my man right there. John Halverson is home for, how long? He's been gone a year, right? Right at a year. Golly, good to see you. I've been I, I'm just going to stop and talk to him a minute because I've been missing him. He's been gone a year. Man, you look great. Merry Christmas. Good to see you appreciate our troops and all the sacrifices that they've made. And I know uh, you guys are excited to have daddy home. Wow. But anyway, so if I live to be the average age of a U.S. male, I have a little bit over 30 years left to live. It actually tells you how many days. It calculates. I've got about 10,800 days left to live. But here's the deal. On that website, would you be surprised to know that there is no guarantee that I'm going to live 30 more years? There's no guarantee there that what I've entered and what they've calculated is actually going to come true because there are no guarantees, right? Uh, I don't have a guarantee for even one more day, do I? And neither do you. Uh, You know, look at, at what the brother of Jesus says about it in the book of James. James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. James says this. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Because your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while. And then it's gone. And the Bible is so clear and many of us have learned that we can't count on tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. All we truly have is right now. Right now. Our our time on this earth is very valuable because it's very limited. We talk about this journey that we're on and I, I continually want to remind you that this journey that you are on right now is a very short journey. It doesn't last very long. Some of you that are approaching the end of your journey uh, can't believe how fast that life has actually come and, and gone and, and passing you by. And, and what Paul is saying here is because of that, Because this journey is very short, because we're not guaranteed tomorrow, Paul is saying you need to be very careful in how you live your life. Uh, Each of you, uh, one day, will will give an account of how you lived your life. How you spent your time here on this earth. And every one of us, one day, will, will give an account of that. How proud will we be to stand before our Father... And to give an account of how we lived our life and who we lived it for and what our priorities were while we were here. We should be very careful, Paul says, how and who we're living our life for. Let's see what other uh, advice that Paul has for us here. Look at, at verse number 16. Paul says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Say that with me this morning. Make the most of every opportunity. What kind of opportunities is he talking about? What what do you think he might be referring to here when he, he talks about these opportunities that we're to make the most of? Well, there's a lot of opportunities that we have for some of you, or actually I would say all of you. You're going to have opportunities in 2018 to represent Jesus. You're going to have opportunities to be Jesus to some people that you may cross paths with. You're going to have an opportunity to help someone who is in need. You're going to have an opportunity to be a blessing to someone who's uh, who's in a valley and they just need someone to come along beside them and... Give them strength and be an encourager uh, to them. For some of you, you're going to have opportunities to witness to that friend that we talked about earlier. You're going to be given opportunities to talk with family members about a relationship with Jesus and how Jesus has changed your life and how important it is to you that they allow him to change their lives as well. How many opportunities have we missed in 2017 and not done those things not been Jesus uh, here with skin on not to help someone in need not not to uh, take an opportunity to witness those are missed opportunities and Paul is saying very clear here make the most of every opportunity that you get because life is very short the journey is very short And he says, so make the most of every opportunity. For some of you, uh, it may be an opportunity, another opportunity to give your life to Christ. I I can't assume that everyone that comes to church every week is a Christian and has accepted Jesus. And so for some of you, the opportunity that you're going to get is to become a follower of Jesus Christ. To make a decision to surrender your life to Him. To allow Him to be Lord of your life and to be in in control and and live it for Jesus. And stop living it for yourself and living it in the bondage of sin that you've been living in. Because how many opportunities have you had already to straighten out your life? How many opportunities have you been given already to accept Him and surrender your life to Him? And lived your life the way that you know that you should be living it? Because how many more opportunities are you going to get? You don't know. We have no guarantees that there will be any more opportunities after today. Right? And so Paul says make the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity that we have. Paul's saying right here to do that. When Jesus was here on this earth, he he, he was talking about our, our enemy. He was talking about Satan. And he said to us that Satan is a thief and he is a robber. And what's he trying to steal from us? Is Satan wanting to to, to rob us of our cars? Is is Satan wanting to rob us of our our bank accounts? Well, what is it that Jesus was referring to here that Satan is wanting to rob from us and, and to take from us? Well, one of the things that he wants to take from you and steal from you is your time. Because he knows how precious that is. He knows how limited it is. He knows the journey is short. And if he can get your time then that's what he wants. He wants to steal and and take uh, your time. And and as I was thinking about this, as I was preparing the notes for this morning, the TV was on, (laughs) right? And and I began to think, just how much time do we waste just doing simple things like, like watching TV? Time that's wasted on the internet. Time that's wasted on our phones. I think if we really began to pay attention to the time that we waste each and every day, it would be alarming. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to, to, to lose track of time. He wants us to waste our time because he knows how precious it is and how limited it is for us. Remember the story of when Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus? Yeah, some of you remember that story. It's recorded in Luke chapter 10. Jesus goes into their home there and and Mary and Martha are there and, and Mary is sitting at his feet, right, as Jesus talks and she's soaking up every word that Jesus has to say. But what's Martha doing? Martha's in the kitchen fixing a meal, right? Because everybody's got to eat and we've got company. And so, you know, the preparations have to be made. The food has to be prepared. It has to be cooked and all these things. And most of you probably know the story, but Martha gets upset because she's in the kitchen by herself. And Mary's just sitting in here talking to Jesus, right? And so Martha gets upset and she comes in, she walks into the living room and she complains to Jesus. She says, Lord, don't don't you care that my sister has left me in the kitchen all by myself to do all the work, to prepare the food, to do all the dishes? Would you please tell her to come in there here and and, and help me with all the work that needs to be done? But look at what Jesus said to Martha. And he responded there in Luke 10, uh, verses 41 and 42. He said, Martha... Martha, you are worried and you are upset about a lot of stuff. You're worried and you're upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Now, was Martha committing a sin by fixing a meal in the kitchen? You know, we always want to draw these lines. We want to make it black and white. Is this a sin or is this not a sin? Martha preparing food in the kitchen was not a sin. But was it best? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves is it best? I read three verses in the Bible a day. Should I read a whole chapter well what would be best (laughs) right it's not a sin just to read three verses but what would be best and that's the point that 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 Jesus is, is trying to make here Martha wasn't really sinning but here's the problem she was so preoccupied right with what she was doing that she didn't realize the Lord himself was in the living room She got so busy that she neglected who was in her house and why that he was there. And sadly, I believe that's probably the same mistake that you and I make on a pretty regular basis. Matter of fact, I'm going to say we probably make it on a daily basis. We don't realize that God is here. He's with us. He's in our homes. He's in our living rooms. He's in our automobiles. But yet we get so busy, we get so caught up in the here and the now. We get so caught up in our jobs, right? We get so caught up in all this temporary stuff of the world that we fail to realize and we fail to focus on things that really matter. And Paul says, uh, and Jesus said, there's one. There's one thing that really matters, right? And, and so, you know, we get, we, we, we focus on things that don't last for eternity. We focus on the things that the Bible talks about that will, that will rust and burn up and be destroyed and be stolen. Don't get me wrong. I know that there are a lot of demands on your time. I get it. I know that. I know that we're all busy and people are pulling us and pulling you from every different direction. And you've got kids and you've got grandkids and they've got all this stuff going. Hey, I get it. I know. I'm way too busy too. I've got way too much stuff on my schedule. And the problem is there's only 24 hours in a day and there's only one of me, right? And so what do we do? What do we do with that? Because life is busy. Life is busier than it has ever been, is it not? I mean, it it just is. Well, I believe that for the answer to that question, what do we do about that? I believe we find the answer there in verse 17 as Paul goes on uh, there in Ephesians 5. Paul says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Paul says, we got we to get this. We must understand what the Lord's will is in our lives. So, so what do you think the Lord's will is for you in 2018? What is it? You know, wouldn't you like to know, you know what the Lord's will is for you as you enter into this new year? Do you think that he wants your mind to be so saturated with the things of the world that you have no time for him? Do, do you think that he wants your schedule to be so full that you don't have time for that one thing that is, is so very important? And because I love you, would you allow me as your pastor this morning to give you a couple of suggestions as we approach this new year? First of all, I would encourage you to establish some priorities in your life. And maybe you might want to even write them down just so you know what they are. And you can stay focused on them uh, in this uh, new year. But we all need to know what our priorities in life are. And and since, you you know, I'm assuming that since you're in church today and it's 20-something degrees, that you believe that God should be a part of that, right? That God should be a part of your life. But when you begin to establish your priorities... Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to decide whether Jesus is going to be a part of your life or if Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life. Because there's a lot of people going around right now calling themselves Christian that are giving Jesus a part of their life. We're about to begin a series starting hopefully next week that's called The Other Six Days. We're real good at being Christians on Sunday, but we're going to talk about those other six days starting next week. So the decision is for us, are we going to give him a part or are we going to allow him to be Lord? There's a huge difference in that. And when you begin to establish your priorities, it's so important. So ask yourself, what is it that is most important in my life? Or who is it that is most important in my life? And what is it that's controlling me? What is it that is taking my time? What is it that's controlling my life? Is it God or is it something else? It's an important part of evaluating your priorities and and setting them. Is there something or someone that I give greater value to than Jesus? Is there something that is getting more of my time? Is there someone that's getting more of my time? Is there something that... I invest more in. Is your relationship with Jesus the most important relationship in your life? Because here's the deal. When Jesus is the priority, it's going to affect everything else that you do in your life. When Jesus is the priority in your life, it will affect every decision you make, It will affect your schedule. It will affect your relationships with other people. And it will affect your whole outlook on life. And don't miss this. When Jesus is the priority in your life, can I just tell you this? You'll make time for him. When Jesus is the priority in in your life, you will find time to pray. And you will find time to be in his word. If Jesus is the priority. I have people tell me, especially when I was a youth pastor, I thought it was interesting. Young people would always come up to me as one of the most common things that I heard from, from teenagers while I was a youth pastor. You know, I just, I, I just can't seem to find time to pray. I struggle with praying. Uh, I, I can't find time to read my Bible. I st- struggle with reading my Bible. And I talked to kids about that for years and years and years. And then uh, I became a real pastor. That's what some people say. Youth pastors aren't real pastors yet. Um, But I'll tell you, they do more pastoring than probably any real pastor that I know of. But when I became a pastor of the whole congregation, you know what I learned? I learned that their parents shared with me the exact same issues. I struggle finding time to pray. I struggle finding time to be... In God's Word. And if that's the case, can we just call it what it is and say, if you can't find time to pray and you can't find time to be in God's Word, then God is not your priority. I love you, but you know it's true. If we can't find time for Him, He is not our priority because we will find time for what we want to do, we'll make time for what we want to do. And if somebody were to call me up today and say, Hey, I got you tickets to the Super Bowl. Whatever is on my counter for that day, I'm rescheduling, right? Because we will find time for things that we want to do and things that that we enjoy. And and so we'll make time in our lives and in our families for what's important to us. Listen, when Jesus is the priority... It changes everything about your life. It changes your prayer life uh, because, like I said, you'll make time to talk to him. You'll make time to listen to him. And it will become the most important thing to you every single day. And and as you you spend time with him, you'll, you'll find yourself not just praying these little token prayers that we often get caught up in praying, Lord be with me today. You know, he's with you. He already promised you that. Right? Lord keep me safe today Lord be you know with me today and, and all these little prayers when he's the priority, and, and, and he is at the top of the list we'll find our, ourselves and our prayer life beginning to change and not only will we be praying for ourselves but we'll begin to earnestly pray for those friends that are lost we'll begin to earnestly pray for our family members that are lost and, and, and those that, that are struggling you'll find yourself beginning to pray for people around you, people that you know and you don't know, you'll find yourself while you're at work just seeing someone set in an office or a cubicle or a, or, or a truck or wherever it may be and you just feel led to pray for them and to lift them up for God. Maybe you pull up to a red light. You see a young mother beside you at the red light. She looks stressed out. You look in the back seats because the baby's screaming and crying and you just go, God help her. Give her whatever it is she needs right now. You know, you'll find yourself doing uh, these things. You'll be praying for your church. Man, I hope you're praying for your church and I surely hope you're praying for your pastor. (laughs) Because I need it. I covet your prayers. And the reason I do is because I know how powerful your prayers are. I know that God listens to his children's voices. And he hears our prayers. And so I covet uh, your prayers. Are you praying for me? Because I'm praying for you. (laughs) And then when we have made Jesus the priority in our lives... I'd encourage you to do this because I see this happen so often in people's lives, and it's just another way that Satan destroys and robs and steals from us. But I would say, after you make Jesus your priority, the next thing that ought to go on that priority list would be your family. Your family should be right there under Jesus and your relationship with Jesus. Listen, it should never be Jesus and then your job. It should never be Jesus and then your hobbies. It should never be Jesus and then your your bank account. Don't be so busy and work so much that you don't spend time with your family. Lynette and I, we we share this a lot in the marriage group that we do. We've been doing for the past couple years in our homes. We talk about the importance of family time together. Uninterrupted family time together so don't be so busy and work so much that you don't spend time with your family put the phones down set a time that is a no phone time you know put the phones have meals together for heaven's sake take the time as a family to come together and have meals together spend time talking and enjoying time with your family because one day here's what's going to happen somebody's going to be missing from the dinner table And you're not going to get that time back. They're going to be gone. They're going to be missing. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you look back and go, I wish I had some more time. I wish that I would have spent more time. Because now they're gone and it's too late. And it can't be made up now. And many of us have experienced that. And we saw earlier in the Bible where it's clear. We can't count on tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. So all we have is right now. And what is right in front of us right now. That's all we have. That's all we've got. All we have is right now. And so we must learn how to live wisely today. But far too often, what do we do? And I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. What do we often do? We wish our life away, don't we? You know, I wish this day would just hurry up and get over with, right? I I wish that that, that Friday would, would hurry up and get here. I, I wish that, that, that school was out for the summer. I wish that I would hurry up and graduate. I, I wish that my kids would move out and get married. I wish that my kids would, would you know, have grandkids. That would, that would be nice. Uh, but Hayden, get married first. All right, but, but, you know, we wish our lives away. We, we wish all these things. I wish that I was old enough to retire. Spent some time here a few weeks ago talking to a fellow uh, about retirement. And I caught myself saying, I wish I could retire now. And what are we doing? We wish our lives away. And there's this great quote. I've shared it with you before. Uh, and I don't know who said it. Uh, but anyway, it's a great quote. It says, life is what happens to you while you are making plans to do something else. Is that not the truth? Life is, not, it, life is what happens to us while we're making plans for something else to take place. While we're making our own plans and planning and preparing for the future or planning and preparing for tomorrow, life is happening right now, right in front of us, right now, at this time. And so, you know, is all of your planning for the future taking away from what God wants you to have in your life right now and today? And so here's the bottom line today. And some of you thought I'd never get here, and you're glad we got to the bottom line. But here's the deal: another year's come and gone. Another 365's behind us. We made it. A new year lies before us. What if? What if we planned on living 2018 as if it would be our last year on this earth? How would that affect the way you lived your life? How would that affect the decisions that you make? If we were to live it knowing this was it, I've got 365 more days and then we'll be done. Because my prayer uh, for you is that the Lord will help us in these next 365 days if God chooses to give us that many. I'm praying that... You will use those days and that time for him and his glory. And like I said, we're going to be digging into this a little bit deeper over the next few weeks in this series we're calling The Other Six Days. I encourage you to be here. I encourage you not to miss it. It's going to be some good stuff. It's going to be some challenging stuff. Some of you may quit and go to another church. I don't know, but all I've got is right now, and I'm I'm, I'm giving an account for what I'm saying to you right now. And so we have to be careful. But as your pastor, I'm looking forward to the future. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in your life, what God's going to do in your family, what God's going to do in our church in 2018. And I just want to tell you this morning, if you will put him first, you'll have a happy new year. If you put him first, you'll have a good day. If you put him first tomorrow, It'll be a good day. That's the challenge. That's the question. Will we do it? Will we put him first above everything else and everyone else? Let me pray for you this morning. God, I I just thank you today for your word. I thank you for how it always, your word always is an encouragement to us, but yet it always puts its finger on something that we don't like to hear or we don't want to hear. And God, you know as well as I do that today this message is not my message. This is your message to us. This is your message to me. It's for all of us. And God, there's no better time for us to evaluate where we're at in our journey and where we're at in our walk and our relationship with you than the beginning of a new year. It's a time to kind of sit back and look at the big picture and understand what's really important in our lives or not some of the things that we've made important. We've spent a lot of time doing things that don't amount to much. And Satan is happy for that. He's glad about it. And so, God, I pray that we'd be very careful to make you the priority to put you at the top of the list because I know that when we do that, when I do that, it affects every single other thing that I will do throughout the day when you're at the top, when you are the priority. And so God, help us. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your power. We need you to remind us through the working of your spirit that we are yours. Thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to represent you to be your representative to this world, to be the ones that you've called and that you've chosen to extend mercy and grace and forgiveness and love and to help those who are in need. you've, You've called us to do that. You've given us that task. We're grateful and we're thankful, but God, most of all, I pray that we'd be faithful and we'd be obedient and that others would see you through us. They would be drawn to you and they would want to know you and they would surrender their lives to you because we were faithful and we were obedient. God, I pray that you'll bless us big in the years in this year that's ahead and if it's only another day, I pray that it would be a great day filled with your blessings on your people. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all have